jump into today's message. Um, I am looking forward to today. I believe that today is going to be a really helpful message uh, for you. Uh, just to kind of give you a little context around where we're at, we're in this series called the Beatitudes, and uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, it's one of Jesus' longest, longest recorded sermons. Uh, they call it the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, and, and actually next year, we're, we're planning on, just so you know, we're planning on picking up the Sermon on the Mount back in February after we get through the Beatitudes and uh, continuing through the sermon because it's so powerful. Uh, it's, it's Jesus, first off, which is extremely um, important to know what he thought, right, and <laughs> what he taught. Um, but the way that he moves through uh, how we should live our lives and, and why we should live our lives this certain way is so important. And so we're going to spend some time talking through that next year. But um, what Jesus is really teaching is what the ideal Christian looks like. I think that's a question that we all are wondering about in our country and in our world. What, is a, what does a Christian look like? I was reading stuff just this past week and, and all these articles, you know, and, and we're, we're, in a, we're in a time where a lot of things are being deconstructed uh, in our nation, uh, politically, socially, and also religiously where there's a lot of people who are, and a lot of people who were raised in church, who were actually a lot of them are around my age, and they are deconstructing from Christianity. They're walking away from uh, orthodox Christianity or, or, or what we've always, uh, traditional Christianity, if you will. And there's asking a lot of questions about uh, interpretation of the Bible and different things. And, and so what that's doing is it's destabilizing an entire generation about what they believe in because they don't know what to believe in. And so um, inevitably, if we do not have a standard at which, uh, of, what we're, of something that we are um, uh, looking at and, and, and forming our life around, then we are inevitably going to just form it around what we want to do. It's kind of always been that way. Like we're either living for Jesus or living for something or we're living for ourselves, And so what's going on is, is that as things get deconstructed, people are beginning to, you know, well, it doesn't matter how you live. You can live any way you want as long as it makes you feel good and as long as you love that. And, uh, and even the word love is misused and, and, and thrown all over the place. And so why I think a, a series like this is important is because, like I said, Jesus is talking about what it looks like to be a follower of him. So this has nothing to do with my opinion, it has nothing to do with your opinion, it has to do with what the Word of God says, and we are interpreting it, um, um, what people would like to say at that point is, well, you're just, you're just interpreting it through your own lens. And I would say the same thing about you, uh, right? And so there's, there's this tension in the Christian world, and many of you are very aware of this, and if you're not, I think it would be a great time to start becoming aware of what's going on in the current uh, landscape of Christianity abroad, because if not, what happens is things start happening and, and, and things begin to, uh, a tide begins to move. And if you're not aware of that, 
uh, through social media and different things, you'll begin to read stuff, especially young people. Like you've got, y'all have got to be extremely careful about who you're listening to because they are, there's momentum in what they're saying. The problem is, is that it's not supported by traditional interpretations of the Bible. And that, what I just said, is even being broken down because the fact that you have a traditional interpretation means that you're just listening to people who didn't know what they were talking about or they were using it for power and control. So you guys see the the complexity of what we're dealing with. And this is messing up a lot of people. It really is. And it's causing especially a lot of young people to say, I don't need this. Do y'all feel that? All right, this matters. And so the stuff that we're talking about it's, it's not just to um, tantalize us and make us feel good. It's so that we will actually have a biblical understanding of the teachings of Jesus, right? So that way we can live lives as Christians and represent the faith properly, right? And so, so that's, that's our goal. And so today, whenever we read the scripture, my goal is to bring it in a way that, that makes sense, but also is, is biblically accurate, right? And, 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 and that it, it looks at the rest of the word and sort of brings it into context. And so uh, we're gonna do all that in about the next 20, 25 minutes. How's that sound? So he's teaching what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And the word beatitudes, just so you know, it means blessed. And again, it's not talking about a thin, cheap happiness, uh, right? It's talking about this deep sense of fulfillment and purpose um, that, of course, we believe only comes from Jesus, but it's something that's not based on temporary circumstances. Now, there is a happiness that comes from temporary circumstances, and that doesn't mean that all that is always negative and bad and, and we can't ever be happy and enjoy things. That's not the point. But the point is that there's something more important than just that. Y'all with me? Does it make sense? Something more important than just feeling happy all the time. And so the first 12 verses of chapter 5 do this. And we're going to pick up in chapter 5, uh, uh, in verse 5 today. And it says this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Meekness. And whenever I say meekness, typically we think of weakness. We think of soft and, and just kind of like, ah, like I don't want to offend anyone. or ah. But that's not what meek means it, it it means more than that it one thing that i love is it it means bridled strength it means humble right it, it it means that there's a strength but it doesn't mean that it's a mean strength it's a bridled self-controlled uh strength and is gentle considerate courteous does that sound good how many of you feel like already you realize that you're not a very meek person based upon those things you know It's kind of the point that we need to walk through this. But there's a quote from John Stott. He says this, meekness is a true view of oneself expressed in attitude and conduct with respect to others. Meekness when expressed in attitude and conduct, this is a true view of yourself. This makes us gentle, humble, sensitive, and patient in all of our dealings with other people. I kind of want to show how this third beatitude ties to the first two because I believe that we're sort of building one on the other. I believe that people who see themselves have a true view of themselves cannot have a true view of themselves without a true understanding of the first two things that Jesus taught. You see, if I know that I am poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt apart from Christ, 
that does something to the way that I live my life and the way that I think about myself, right? I don't feel like I have all the answers. It also builds in me a trust, a trust in God. The second thing that we talked about is mourning. And whenever you realize where you're at, whenever you realize that you're spiritually bankrupt, it causes you to mourn. It causes you to repent. It causes you to turn. To, uh, it destabilizes you from your belief in yourself and your confidence in yourself. And you begin to repent and turn from that and you begin to turn towards God. And because of those two things, I believe that meekness follows that. A person who is not meek probably also has a, a skewed view of themselves in light of, of the way that God sees them. They probably don't see themselves the way God sees them. And what I mean by that is first off, in and of ourselves, we're bankrupt. I don't mean that like God sees you and loves you. He does love you. I'm not talking about that right now. What I'm talking about is that if God looks at you and does not see the righteousness of Christ, he can only see your righteousness, which always falls short. Does that make sense? It's the only two options. So we talk about being clothed in righteousness. And so what that does, an understanding of that does not produce some sort of fear or depression or something like that. No, 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 no. A true revelation of that produces confidence. It produces hope in Jesus. It produces joy in God and, and in, your, in your future. Does that make sense? Right? See the, the contrast here. So meek is not weak. Meek is bridled strength and it's also understanding who you are. Nothing makes you meek like knowing and admitting when you're wrong, right? <laughs> it's why we don't like to admit that we're wrong. It's why we don't like that because it's not in our nature to do that. It's not in your nature to just be okay with being wrong. Typically, because of selfishness or fear, we want to uphold our reputation. We want to uphold who we are and we cannot do that and be meek at the same time. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek. So therefore, if you live a life like that, you're not actually blessed. You're not actually blessed. But what does meekness look like? And this is where we're gonna hang for the rest of the time that we have here together today. What, what does meekness look like? And to, to learn what meekness looks like, we're gonna look at Psalm chapter 37. And it's gonna be the verses that we look at today in order to play that out because Left by itself, just that one verse, it's sort of like, okay, give me the next verse. But we've got we to gotta peel it open. You know what I'm saying? Like an like a, uh, artichoke or something or an onion. We've got to like, like, bring that open. The reason that's in my head is because my wife started eating artichokes lately. I know, right? But apparently if you cook them and you put a bunch of stuff in them, they're really good. So <laughs> there's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Um, so, so we're going to kind of delve deeper into this. Now, uh, Psalm 37 is what's considered a wisdom psalm. You guys know Proverbs. When you go to Proverbs and you read, like, every verse is just a banger, man. I mean, it's just, like, hitting you in the face. And we like those short, quick, you know, Instagram storyable things. And uh, so that's why we like Proverbs. This psalm is very similar to that. And it says this in verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. The first thing that we begin to learn about when it comes to meekness is that meekness doesn't fret. Meekness doesn't worry. But another way of looking at that word is to not burn with anger. Meekness doesn't 
get enraged. Meekness doesn't get hot. It's literally what it, it, one of the ways that it's referring to here if you look at the, the word. It doesn't get hot. It doesn't get uh, up in arms, especially because of evildoers. Now, evildoers for you really just means those people that you disagree with. Come on. Oh man, I just made it, I made it hit home. Because what we wanna do is we say, the people that are doing this, I deem as evil, and therefore they are evildoers whenever they do the same thing back to me. And it's, so we have a very subjective uh, way of, of calling people evil. Some of us, all, we all agree on certain things, but there's, there's gray area, right? I mean, we're called evil people because we believe in a God and this is how we live our life. And, and as religion is an evil, hateful type of thing. So people call us evildoers, right? But the Bible says here, fret not, don't get angry, don't get caught up in, in anger against those who are evildoers. I'm just gonna let that resonate because we'll get back to it in a little bit. The next thing it says is, but also don't envy them. And, and this is in context to seeing evildoers, people that we disagree with, prosper. Nothing upsets us more than seeing people that we don't like making it and doing well. Come on, y'all. I'm gonna be really honest and you guys could just not be honest, it's fine. I'll be honest for you. But whenever you, like somebody gets you, like honestly, you kinda wanna see them not do that well in your flesh, okay? Now for those of you who have a very, really Christian, you know what I'm saying? You've got all this, this, this locked down then it might not be a problem for you. But there is a moment at least where you have to again say, I love them, love bears all things, hopes for the best, right? Because our flesh is enraged. And he says, number one, don't fear, don't get upset about it, but also don't be envious of them. Because also what can happen is whenever people that we disagree with or we have a problem with begin to make it and they begin to, to do well and prosper, a lot of people fall into actually envying those people. In the business world, you might be doing all the things right you're, you're, you're full of integrity and honesty and, and, and you see these other guys and they're not doing that. But man, they're just killing it. Like they're just making the money, man. And you're doing the right thing, but yet you're getting this slow result. Maybe you're not growing and all of a sudden something starts happening and you know, you're like, well, they're getting away with it, all right? I know what they're doing is wrong, but isn't that just kind of like the game that you gotta play? Isn't that just kind of the system? Isn't that just, I'm just playing it, but you know it's unethical. And the writer of Psalms here, believed to be David, but not really 100%, he's saying, listen, don't fret, don't get upset because those people are not doing what you think they should do, but also don't fall into the trap of actually becoming envious of them at the same time, because it can happen. Meekness doesn't get, doesn't fret, and also meekness doesn't envy. I think something that's important for us to realize is that um, it's easy to, to envy evildoers in their heyday, but you will not envy evildoers in the future. And that's the big point that he's trying to make in this psalm, is you might be envious of evildoers today, but you will not be envious of their tomorrow. Number three, uh, verse three says this, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. The next thing is that meekness trusts in the Lord. 
But I, I love how it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Because this is an active trusting. Some people, they trust in the Lord, but they live in a way that doesn't please the Lord. And I don't really think that's actually trusting the Lord. I think that's just not making a decision. Or you make a whole bunch of bad decisions that don't please the Lord, and then you're like, well, I'm just trusting God that he's going to bail me out. Trust in the Lord and do good. Follow his teachings. Follow his ways. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. You know, fear causes us to fret, but trust dispels fear. And we trust in God by remaining in Christ and recognizing God's faithfulness. Recognizing God's faithfulness. I want to remind all of you today to recognize God's faithfulness. It is one of the most important things throughout the word of God is God's faithfulness. His faithfulness to accomplish the things that he said he would. But it gets very difficult because what we do is we correlate God's faithfulness to our timing. And so if he is faithful in our timing, then we can trust him and we feel like he's faithful and good. But if it doesn't match up with our timing or the process looks difficult, we're like, man, it's making it hard to trust in the Lord because I can't trust in his faithfulness. You see, you see how this begin, the dominoes begin to fall. God is working in his own way, in his own timing. It's not a cliche. It's the Bible. And this is what we believe. And so we trust in God. Meekness, meek people trust in the Lord. Verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in the Lord. If you start noticing, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. You're going to see every one of these phrases has in the Lord. Because a lot of times we're just like, you just got to trust. Well, trust what? You have to delight. You just need to be happy. Be happy because of what? All of this is anchored to Jesus. Delight in the Lord. Now, we like this next part. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Meek people delight in the Lord. But a lot of people are just, they delight, they delight in the Lord because they want the second part. Because if I'm happy in Jesus, he's going to give me everything that I want. Even if you don't say it that way, a lot of people read it that way. And I kind of want to reorient your thinking around the desires of your heart. Because honestly, this is the deal. I believe that we were all created desiring peace and joy. Really the fruit of the spirit, which is the fruit. It's who God is. We, we were created with that in our heart. We need those things. It's like fuel. But because we're separate from God, we see it with Adam and Eve, whenever they were separated from God, we, we now have this, some people refer to it as a God-sized void in our heart. And so we are searching for these things. We're, we're searching for stability and security and someone who is faithful and who doesn't lie and misuse us but truly understands us and accepts us and, and, and unconditionally. We're looking for that because we're created to desire that. that. That is actually the desire of your heart. Now, we think that the desires of our hearts are temporary. We think that if I just had that one relationship, then everything would be right. We think that if I made that, this a certain amount of money, that that's where like this threshold of happiness comes into play. And it may for a little while, but if you've, been, if you've actually reached one of those things in your life, you know that eventually it, it doesn't. So I would argue that the desires of your heart that God says that he will fulfill are the ones that he actually knows are in you, even if you're not aware of them. You might not know that you keep going from relationship to relationship because you're looking for love, unconditional love. You might not realize that. 
You might not realize that, that, that your, your search for, for uh, and your pursuit of, of financial freedom is actually you just need security because you're, you're living in fear. God satisfies those things. It doesn't mean that there's still not a struggle. It doesn't mean that because you become a Christian, all those things disappear. But it does mean that you're anchored to something in the midst of those storms. That's what it means. And so delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I don't know when that's going to be. I know that ultimately it's in heaven. Whatever that looks like and whenever that is, I know that ultimately being united with God is where those desires that we actually need fulfilled will be fulfilled. So stop looking for the desires of your heart to be fulfilled in this life because you're gonna be disappointed over and over and over. It's continually gonna be disappointment. We'll have good seasons, but that is not what we're talking about here when it comes to the desires of our heart. Number five, verse five, says, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Commit your way to the Lord. Meek people are committed to the Lord. I'm talking about like devotion, like, Deep devotion, not like a fair-weathered friend, not like the guy that, you know, if you don't, you know, I don't know, maybe he's had this situation, maybe you got like a girlfriend or whatever, and it's like if you don't keep tabs on them nonstop, like they drift away, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not really sure, like do they like you today or tomorrow, that whole thing. No, no, no. Commit your way to the Lord. He's talking about us being committed to the Lord in a way that doesn't drift like that. And a lot of people live like this. They have six months, a good season of following Jesus. And then it begins to fade. It's sort of like this whole like, I don't know, like a like bottle rocket Christianity thing. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like a, the fuse gets lit. And you're like, whoa. Well, that was fun. On to the next thing. Let me try something else. Let me try something new to try to fill what's going on here. No, no, no. A meek person who understands that they are poor in spirit and who mourns that and repents, they're meek and they remain committed to God even through the difficult times. Even through the difficult times. Commitment to God. Our responsibility is to surrender. Our will, our dreams to, to surrender to, to God and the Bible says that God will carry out justice eventually on your behalf because you are righteous. So that next thing says, something that's very difficult for all of us to see is, is, is injustice. because it's so far removed from what we're created to truly experience. It starts when you're young and it's little things that happen. You know, my kids say it all the time, that's not fair, that's not fair. And a lot of times they say not fair. it's not fair it's because somebody got a brownie and the other one didn't. You know what I'm saying? It's childish things that really don't matter that much. But that same thread continues on and those small issues like a brownie, <laughs> it turns into bigger ones. And you can't, you can't go very long or you, you don't have to look very far before you begin to see there's a lot of injustice. 
in a lot of different ways. It could be as practical as something that happens in the politics of your job, right? You just unfair. It was, it was unjust. It just, you didn't deserve what you got in that scenario. It could be your marriage. You didn't deserve what happened to you in that marriage. It was an unjust thing that took place. It can go even bigger into, you know, whether it be, uh, obviously we have a lot of conversations around injustice in our, in our nation and in the world. And what, what is that? Because, because whenever you see injustice or, or, and you see it in front of you, it's like that's just not right. Like it's just not right, right? It, it shouldn't be like that. And I believe that that's been in place as long as sin has been on the earth. Injustice, and it will continue to be, unfortunately. And even the writer of Psalms is sitting here, and he's, he's calling it out. What he's talking about, the theme of this, a lot of this, is the fact that evil people are prospering. Like, evil people are doing very mean things to people, and they're getting away with it. And he's like, that's angering. That's frustrating. So he's acknowledging this, and he says, at the end of the day, at the, at like, like at the end of this life, he says, God is eventually going to carry out justice Maybe in certain ways here in this life, but ultimately, he's going to carry out justice. And it's going to prove and show your righteousness. I think about those who have been martyred throughout history. The mocking that they endured. Jesus himself, the mocking that he endured. Jesus being right and righteous, completely righteous, was, tr was treated with such injustice If I'm Jesus, I'm like, fight. Do, you know, like they even mocked him. Called on angels. Do something, deliver yourself. And he didn't. Now, he had a purpose in what he was doing. He was paying the price of sin. But it, it doesn't negate or, or, or make it easy to see things that just don't add up. And this is, a, this is a, a very deep issue in our lives. So what's the response here? Verse 7. This is very difficult. This is probably one of the hardest ones. Be still before the Lord. Now be still, just so you know, it literally means shh, silent. Don't say anything. Your first response, I believe a meek person's first response is to be still and wait for the Lord. It's difficult though, huh? I don't do well. Silence is not my first response. I'll go ahead and be the first one to say it. It's not. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And that wait is not a relaxed wait. It's not an easy wait. There's a lot of tension in that. Patience is a virtue. Patience is a fruit of the spirit, and it's developed in our lives by being tested over and over and over. Patience. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. He's reminding us again, fret not yourself. Psalm 39.9 says, I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you 
who have done it. This is a monumental idea for some of you. Because whenever bad things happen, it's hard for us to imagine that God would be in it. It's hard for us to imagine that this may be God actually allowing this to take place for our good. Doesn't feel like it in the moment, right? But for our good, that God is working in it because we equate negative things that are happening to, well, it's either the devil and that's it. But sometimes God is using, I'm not saying that he's always like causing it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying though, he uses those things ultimately for his glory. How did, I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus' death looked like defeat. All of his disciples, it's done. But it was like, if you guys know about like judo, right? Judo, you use your, your opponent's momentum against them. And that's basically what happens in our lives if we remain committed and we continue to delight ourselves in the Lord, the things that the enemy meant for evil, God hip tosses those things. <laughs> Come on. He does. But some people don't wait patiently enough, long enough to see the end. They don't, they bail mid-process, halfway through. It's too difficult. Remain, remain. Sometimes those no's from God, those things that you pray for that you don't get, it might actually be for your good. It might actually be for your good. Verse eight, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. I quickly wanna say this about this because this is sort of a repeat of earlier. The anger that we feel in our hearts, a lot of times we justify and we might attach holy wrath and indignation and different things to that. But I want you to prayerfully consider that sometimes the anger that you feel is not holy wrath, it's just straight up anger. If it's not buffered in love, everything that Jesus did was from a place of love and compassion for people. He did not label somebody on the opposite end of the aisle and call them names and rip them apart and laugh and mock at them. Not, that's not how he, he went about. And even if he did say things, I'm telling you, he did all things out of, a, out of the, 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 the lane of love for people. Brokenhearted because of sin. Not hoping for someone's demise. By the way, I'm talking about people in the church right now, like for us, one with another. <laughs> if we could get this for one with another, that would be a great start. Come on. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fear not, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. You need to remember that anger trends towards sin. You need to remember that. Maybe not the first time. Maybe not the 10th time. Eventually though, what happens is anger opens the door for unforgiveness and bitterness. And that is the root of a whole lot of more stuff. It's just warnings today, right? Verse 9. For the evildoers shall be cut off and those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Come on, is that, is that encouraging anybody? Just a little while. A little while might be 50 years, just so you know. That's not like five minutes. 
But eventually, there will be a, a, a cutoff point, and those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Verse 11, but the meek, the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The meek shall inherit the land. That's right, sometimes those who don't say very much, sometimes those who just, their first response is silence, right? They don't get all up in arms, they don't, they don't start with a punch to the face, all right? Those people, it's like, I think of it like the tortoise and the hare. You know the story, right? They're racing, actually, I don't know a lot about the story now that I think about it, but um, <laughs> I know there's a tortoise and a hare, a rabbit, uh, and uh, I don't know why they started, but they start racing. Why did they start racing? They just started racing. And um, so they start racing. And y'all know this story though. Like, like the rabbit, the hare, runs really, really fast. Eventually, it's doing so well, it takes a nap. And the tortoise is just going slow. But doesn't take a nap. Doesn't wear himself out, right? Just kind of lopes. And eventually wins the race. There's a whole lot of people that are, that are, that are they're, they're rabbits, man. Something happens in society, here's my posts about it, here's my thoughts, and if you don't agree, you're wrong. You know what I'm saying? They get it all figured out. And I just feel like the Bible says, you might have some of those conversations, you might have those thoughts, but just slow down just a second. Let's try to be meek. And he says, the meek are who wins the race, the meek are who inherit the land. Now, in this time, in Psalms, there's the promised land. And the children of Israel fought to inherit the land. God gave it to them, but they had to fight to take the land. God was with them, but people still got hurt. It was still tough. So we might not be looking for a land today. We might not be looking for a promised land in regards to actual dirt but I believe that we're all looking for the promised land in regards to the future and our, our eternity. I think that every single one of us, honestly, we want to experience hope, man, joy and peace and all these wonderful things. But what the world offers us doesn't accomplish that. And so right now in this moment, I just want us to just humble ourselves before God. Come on, let's, let's be meek before the Father. You might want to close your eyes, whatever it is, whatever it means for you to to kind of just focus in. And we're just gonna pray for a second because we need God's help. We need God's help to be meek. We wanna be blessed. We wanna inherit the land. But the Bible's very clear. There's a certain path. And the first step is understanding that we need Jesus that we are poor in spirit, and that we are broken apart from him. And that does not mean that you are broken only because bad things are happening in your life. You might be in this place right now, you might be listening on a line, and your life is actually really good apart from Christ. Like this life that you're living right now is actually really going really well. And, and you're like, why do I need to submit my life underneath this other way of living? I'm not very meek, but it's really working out. And I think that's the, the big narrative of the verses that we've even read today is that it, it might be really good right now. But life is not just about today. It's about eternity. 
And so I believe that God is dealing with all of us in a lot of different ways right now. But if you're in here, if you're watching online and, and you know that you're far from God and you feel like you need to repent, you need to turn from those things and you need to really turn back to God because you feel like you're, you're really not where you need to be. You're far from him. I'm just gonna pray with you. And just surrender your heart to God. Say, Lord, I surrender my life to you right now. The things I want people to know about and the things I hide from everybody, I lay those things before you right now and I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. I repent of the unrighteous way I've been living. I turn to you. I thank you for paying the price for my sin and giving me life. I receive your grace today. I receive your mercy. Change my heart, God. I give you everything. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet right now. We're not quite done yet. We're almost done. But for those of you who said that prayer, before you leave today, I'd love to ask you to do one thing. And that's to, to reach down and grab that card that Anthony talked about earlier. Take that card, fill it out, and bring it to the Next Steps area in the back of the room. We'd love to come uh, alongside you and help you in your relationship with Jesus. Take some next steps. This is a community. This is a, a community of believers, and we support one another. You just, started, you just started a new journey. The Bible says that whenever someone makes a decision to follow Jesus, that all of heaven rejoices. And so we're rejoicing with you today. Come on, church. Can we give it up for those who made a decision to follow Jesus? Just like, just like we turned to our right and our left earlier and, and you know, we're regular people, uh, everybody in this place you know, that's called upon the name of Jesus has had the moment that you just had. And so I want to encourage you in that, not just to kind of keep it for yourself, but take some next steps in this journey. But before we leave today, we're going to sing part of a song. And before we do, I wanted to read just a couple of scriptures for you. It's in Philippians chapter 2. And it says, my phone will get there in a second. It says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus was meek. He was meek. And I believe these scriptures actually speak to that. Had the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature, in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So like for us, if we struggle with being humble and obedient, Jesus was humble and obedient even unto death. That's our standard, right? Like we're that committed to being pleasing to the Father that we're willing to endure physical pain. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These verses are our hope. Come on, it's, it's, what we, it's who we model our life after, the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is who we're singing to. This is who we're living for. And so in light of the things that we've talked about today, in light of these scriptures, I want us to lift up our voices again and exalt the name of Jesus. Amen.